welcome to Live Your Own Way with me, Lucy Gleason Interiors, chatting homes, life and inspiration with my very special guests. Hello and thanks for joining me for this episode. I've got a first here on Live Your Own Way as I'm chatting with not one but two guests, both from John Lewis. Nicola Waller is Head of Furniture at John Lewis and Stuart MacDonald is Head of British Textile Manufacturers Herbert Parkinson based in Lancashire who work exclusively with John Lewis. We're going to discuss a real milestone of a year for them as they're celebrating an impressive 70 years of textile manufacturing together here in the UK, making their blinds, pillows and even dual custom made juvets, you name it, they make it. With such an illustrious reputation for home furnishings amongst many other areas, And in an ever-evolving world, it'll be really interesting to hear how they remain the same reliable company, but still ahead of their game. John Lewis have also made some pledges recently, including using even better materials and mattress recycling, amongst other things. So I'm interested to find out how they will achieve these goals. I have to be honest, I'm really honoured that John Lewis chose me to chat with on their first podcast, having grown up frequently visiting their stores And this combined with a fascination for good craftsmanship. So I can't wait to find out more on how they all work together to make it all happen so smoothly. Hello to you both. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Nicola, how is your day going? Are you based in an office or do you work from home? Uh, A bit of both, really, Lucy. Um, We have what we call hybrid working. So I'm usually in London, Victoria at John Lewis head office two or three days a week. And the other days I'm based in the back of my lounge, much like the rest of the world post-COVID, in southwest London. Okay. And Stuart, are you at work today at Herbert Parkinson? How's it going? Yeah, very well, thank you, Lucy. Uh, Today I'm actually working from home. Um, I'm generally uh, in Herbert Parkinson's, but I had a late night drive home uh, last night. So I only got back home late, so I'll work from home this morning. Oh, that's a good idea. And then you got to speak to me, so it's all good. <laughs> so Nicola, you're obviously head of furniture at John Lewis. What does um, this work entail and how did you move towards this position as your background was more food related before, wasn't it, including Waitrose? Yes. So um, I've worked in food for most of my career, Lucy, working for retailers like Sainsbury's, Safeway, Marks and Spencer's and then Selfridges. I then moved to Waitrose um and was lucky enough after four years at Waitrose to have the opportunity to come and head up furniture at John Lewis. Now you might think that's a slightly strange uh, move but actually a big part of my career has been around sourcing products and global supply chains and actually there is a huge overlap between the fresh produce sector which I've done at a number of retailers um, and furniture. It's about working with craftsmen, whether that was growers or furniture makers, and making sure that they're producing brilliant products, innovative products for the retail customer. So yeah, it's not the normal route, but I've always been very interested in interiors. Um, I've had a love of that product um, my entire life. So I feel incredibly lucky to now be having a career change and doing something different. Yeah, it's a great job, isn't it? So did it feel like quite a seamless move then? No, um, I joined the category two months before COVID um, and was very clear with my team that actually my role was to support them and develop them 
and find a way um, for our product to sing in John Lewis for our customers. And actually, I'm very lucky to head up a team of experts um, and therefore they didn't need me to be an expert. They needed me to support them um, and work with them. So um, it wasn't seamless. Um, we went from eight weeks in the office of really getting to know the team and the supplier base to suddenly working in spare rooms, kitchens and backs of lounges. So it wasn't seamless, but actually I was surprised at the overlap between previous things I'd done in my career. Um, as I said, managing global supply chains is a big part of the furniture role. Yes, I work very closely with designers, but I would have done that in the food world with product developers. So not, not dissimilar, but a bit of a baptism of fire around timing. So Stuart, I'd love to get some background with your career so far. Tell me about your first job from when you left school, which I think was 1978, if that's correct, and how things evolved to where you are now as head of Herbert Parkinson. Yeah, uh, yes, Lisa, absolutely. Yeah, 1978, so the late 70s. Uh, I, I went to work at Carrington and Dewis in, in the 70s. It was a big powerhouse, uh, textile weaving. Uh, so my background's all weaving in textiles so i went to i went to carrington's uh, for the summer holidays and i i spent i spent it up doing 20 years there uh and after about 10 years uh i then did some academic qualification uh all sponsored by carrington's uh, i did all the jobs on the shop floor uh, i became a, a loom overlooker uh, that was an apprenticeship of four years uh, that's like the top job in weaving uh being the overlookers uh, and then they put me through several different academic qualifications and I came out with a, a BSc Honours degree, uh, 2-1 in Textile Technology and Management. So I was super pleased about that. And really that's when I, I moved I moved on uh, into different uh, various textile jobs. I went working for an American company uh, called John's Manville. Uh, they're a big producer of glass fibre wall covering. Uh, you, you do see these over in, in England and in the UK, but mainly predominantly a, a European product. It's got excellent fire retardant properties. And when it starts looking a bit shoddy, a fresh lick of paint and it looks brand new. Uh, so I did that for quite a few years. That was very interesting. That was based in, in Liverpool. Uh, and then I found myself uh, working for the John Lewis Partnership uh, around about 2002. Uh, we had a, I worked for a, uh, J.H. Burtwistles, it was called. Uh, it was a big weaving mill. Uh, and I, I had a fantastic time. Uh, that's when I found out about John Lewis and its democracy and its co-ownership, which I found was a bit uh, bizarre at first. But once I got used to it, I absolutely loved it. And here we are 21 years later, uh, and I made my way from there to Herbert Parkinson's uh, as their operations manager. And I took over this role about 10 years ago, uh, which I absolutely love. Yeah, so what drew you to textiles initially? Was it in the family? No, what it was, I mean, my mum and dad, they, my mum was uh, in the NHS uh, and my dad worked for J.H. Hines, the big food company. Uh, and the two older sisters, mum in the NHS as well, like my mum and a school teacher, our Sharon. And I, I just left. Uh, when I left school, I just wanted to do something during the summer. Uh, and I just went. I just went to the local mill, Carrington's, and a couple of my mates had got on. And uh, I knocked on the door and I said, "Can I have a job?" Uh, anyway, this uh, production director interviewed me, 
Uh, and basically, the rest is this. I just fell in love with it. I mean, I, I'll never forget, and I still remember, when I first walked into that weaving, it was called a weaving shed. And I thought to myself, it was like a shed in the back garden. And when I walked through this door, I couldn't get over the noise, the smell, like mist, oil, uh, yarn. And I couldn't see the end of this weaving shed. There was that many looms in it. And I was just in awe. And I basically just fell in love with textiles and weaving. And then it was technical textiles. Uh, we did things like airbags uh, for the automotive industry. I did a lot of linings, transmission belting, etc. And then I moved into the cotton side. Uh, jacquard colour woven weaving. And as I mentioned before about glass fibre wall coverings. Such a state of the art technology. It's, I don't know, it just took over me. And my family, when Carrington's put me through... Uh, the academic side of it. Uh, my family started to call me Dr. Loom because I won't shut up. It's a bit like now, John Lewis. I don't shut up about John Lewis and some of my friends at the cricket club. Uh, I'll start yawning when I start going about John Lewis. Uh, so, yeah, no, I just fell in love with it. Lucy textiles uh, and weaving and where I find myself today. It's such a fascinating uh, industry and career. Yeah, well, you could talk to me about John Lewis all day long. I'm more than happy. To <laughs> so it's a really special year, Stuart, isn't it, for Herbert Parkinson and John Lewis, obviously, because it's the 70th year this year in production. So it must feel like a, a really massive milestone for you all. Can you tell me um, about the work over there in Darwin and, and how uh, the relationship was initially established with John Lewis in 1953? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, story, heritage-wise. I mean, Herbert Parkinson. Uh, Mr. Herbert Parkinson was a local businessman in, in Blackburn and he worked for the ticking trade, uh, making mattresses. Uh, and in 1935, wanted, he bought his own mill and obviously called it Herbert Parkinson's. And he made a fantastic success of it. He was uh, weaving jacquard coloured woven fabrics all the way through the Second World War. And during the Second World War, it was a time when uh, John Lewis was looking for its own mill. Obviously, the entrepreneurial spirit uh, of our organisation, there's lots of experiments and we're always experimenting and doing different things. Uh, but during the Second World War, the, the uh, supply chain was quite erratic. You certain yarns you couldn't get hold of. So it was a strategic move uh, for John Lewis to actually purchase its own mill. But it was also about uh, purchasing the supply chain. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Herbert Parkinson passed away during this time and his daughter, Edna, actually transferred, uh, sold the business to John Lewis in 1953. Instantly, everyone became a partner uh, in Herbert Parkinson's, a co-owner, and it was a fantastic success. It was that successful. Uh, obviously, the business uh, invested in new machinery, new, new looms, uh, hand-powered looms, etc. And uh, the mill wasn't big enough. So in 1960, we moved from the original mill, Orchid Mill, uh, to the Harvest Mill, where we're situated now, and that was in 1960. So you know, the Journalist Partnership took it from a steam-driven uh, organisation to the state-of-the-art manufacturing mill we see today. I mean, Harvest Mill, where we are now, it was the last uh, weaving mill to be built in Darwin. It's over 100 years old. Uh, so the outside of it and the parapet look exactly exactly the same as it did uh, probably 112 years ago. Uh, but when you go inside, you can see uh, through all the investments, etc. It's a state of the art manufacturing facility. It's a great heritage story. And like we're saying, this year it's 70th, 70th year's birthday. Uh, there's some fantastic interest. You know, our partners, uh, friends, colleagues, 
the local residents, the, the, the community, uh, colleges, the, the borough council, and obviously John Lewis uh, are so excited about this. Uh, and we've got lots and lots of things planned. We've got a party we're going to have in the summer. Uh, we're, 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 the, the, the Herbert Parkinson is, is next door to a cricket club. Uh, the cricket club use our car park in, in the summer months for, for all their visitors. And we use the cricket club for barbecues to celebrate magnificent things like the 70th. We've got a week of, a week of love at Herbert Parkinson's. And the other interesting one was uh, we managed to get hold of the previous managing directors of Herbert Parkinson's. So we've got Mr. John Blackall, who started in the partnership in 1958, uh, and then succeeding uh, John was Patricia Selle, uh, and then after that it was Ron Bartram, and then I took over from Ron in 2002. So all the, the, the three managing, the previous managing directors are all coming to the party as well, uh, and we're going to have an open day, uh, and that, that's, that's what they're going to come to, the open day. Oh, that sounds amazing. Sounds really, really lovely. Nicola, are you able to get involved even though you're based in London? Yes, absolutely. And and our role is to make sure that all of our customers understand the, the products that the Herbert Parkinson team make and the point of difference that they can bring by us being vertically integrated. Some of the products that Stuart manufactures for us and his team make for us mean that we can do very, very specialist products that the rest of the high street just can't do. So, for example, if you wanted a duvet and um, you wanted a, I don't know, 10, 13 tog duvet on your side of the bed and your partner only wanted a four tog duvet on their side of the bed, Stuart can actually make that. So we have got the ability to really make to order and customise products through working with the Herbert Parkinson team. Yes, they also make you know big volume lines for us, but they can also do the specialised different things. And so this summer, it's a great opportunity for us to really talk to the customer about why we're different and why actually by being vertically integrated and owning our own factory, we can do some of the things that other people can't. And because it's made in the UK, it's just a brilliant opportunity for us to shout about that this summer. Yeah, absolutely. So you've mentioned the TOG duvet. What other things are made there? Obviously, you've got the curtains and roller blinds and pillows. There are other things as well made there, aren't there? Yes. Um, there's, there's cushions, there's duvets, there's pillows, um, there's blinds, there's curtains. You know, there's very little that Stuart and his team don't want to turn their hand to. For us, it's just about making sure that actually every product they make um, is is exactly what the customer wants. So, you know, they turn out over 340,000 cushions every year and over 28,000 duvets. That's where the bulk of their business, but also the seven-day um, windows and blinds and curtain operation that you can choose any style and fabric that is made beautifully to your measurements that you require that is delivered within seven days. Now, it's not many people that can do that. And the the craftsmanship that we get from the Herbert Parkinson factory just means that we can delight customers on a daily basis. So talking of craftsmanship, obviously you're going to need all kinds of skills to make those things. So Stuart, what kind of crafts people do you have working at Herbert Parkinson? Quite, quite a range, actually. We've, we've got lots and lots of sewing machinists, skilled sewing machinists. Uh, Taylor standard as well in terms of their training and, and academic qualifications. 
Uh, a lot of hand skill as well. Uh, some of our fabrics are quite demanding. Velvets are quite popular. And these all have to be hand sewn. Uh, some of the mitered corners are very intricate. And to watch these guys and girls do this, it's incredible to see that that skill, that passion. You know, as Nick said, it's, it's, it's craftsmanship at its highest level, uh, building in inherent quality. Uh, we've got also pattern matches. So if you think about different uh, fabrics, you know, we obviously got a lot of planes. We've got a lot of pattern fabrics as well. And we pattern match, so that's a very skillful job to be able to do that. And also the array of fabrics uh, John Lewis offers to our customers is, is, is a very good range. Uh, and be, being able to understand fabric, what fabric's all about, how fabrics behave, is a skill in itself. You know, it takes years of experience to understand if that particular fabric, like say a linen, uh, linen has natural knots in it, has natural all the characteristics of this fabric, and it's and it's inherently in it, and that's what makes linen nice. They're not faults, but there are other faults in other fabrics uh, that need to be uh, mended uh, on site. Uh, again, that's another skill uh, skill set you need to be able to mend fabrics as well, especially on the naturals. Uh, so there's an array of you know uh, cutting. Cutting's another skill. Obviously, cutting is very 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 important when you're making a cushion curtain. Whatever it may be, every every stage. I mean, when we make a curtain, there's an array of stages. It's not just two or three stages. And you can think about the lining, the quality of the lining, uh, any any uh, different specifications of lining, whether interlining, uh, blackout lining, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's a whole host range of craftsmanship and skills. And it's not just there as well. You know, we, you know, we've got a, an engineering team. We have apprenticeships. And these guys and girls keep the factory going, keep the machines going, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole range of craftsmanship uh, throughout the factory. So do you work with sort of local schools with apprenticeships? We're actually a career, career enterprise ambassador for our local high school, uh, Darwin, Darwin Vale High School. Uh, we go into that school. We run, we run sewing schools, sewing academies uh, for the pupils and the students. Uh, recently, we had, uh, I forgot the year set, I'm, in, I'm old school, uh, I think it was the fourth year, <laughs> what, the, what the equivalent of that is today, uh, the pupils came in, uh, we gave them a tour, uh, and then we showed the sewing machines and how to make uh, certain products like a small cushion, etc., etc. and then we go out into the community, uh, and we go to jobs fairs, etc., uh, working with the local colleges and universities as well. Uh, and what we want to do is develop our own sewing academy as well uh, in collaboration with Blackburn College. Oh, that's amazing. Is it true that a fair percentage of the partners working there are related or friends? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the majority of partners uh, live in Darwin. Uh, they're a walk away from the factory. Uh, we've got some, uh, obviously, in Blackburn as well and a few further afield. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great atmosphere, Herbert Parkinson's. You know, they all, they all, they all live in, uh, in the community, socialise in the community, and they bring that in, into Herbert Parkinson's. You know, we've got a very a fantastic democratic uh, body about the John Lewis partnership, and it's about collaboration, it's about openness, it's about being there for each other. And like you mentioned, we've got uh, mums, dads, brothers, sisters, etc., um, and we talk about this uh, in Branch. Uh, and we talk about, you know, we're all here now, part of this legacy. 
and previous generations were there for us and we're here now for the next generations of your family and friends to come in. And it's a, it's a, it's a great feel. We had a couple of visitors recently uh, from the Borough Council, the Chief Executive, uh, and, and they mentioned, you know, when, when they were walking around, there's a great feel to the place. Everyone's got their head up. You can see them laughing, smiling, they engage with you. Uh, and you know, I, I walk around every week, and they're always pulling my leg. Uh, but it's, it, it is a great feel to it. Uh, it's like a family spirit. Yeah, that aspect is so important. Um, also, a card to put inside some furnishings to tell the customer who's made them. Yeah, it's uh, we've done that for a while now because you know, you know, we we have we we've invited customers into Herbert Parkinson previously just before lockdown. We, we want to re-engage on that one. Uh, but yeah, we've got like a like a business card, if you will. Uh, it's a John Lewis logo on it, Herbert Parkinson, the tech, John Lewis Textile Factory. And our partner signed that card and we put that card in that product. Uh, so when the customer opens that or receives it, they can see this is per, uh, personally done uh, by this particular partner. And we get accolades from that as well. Uh, people writing in, et cetera, et cetera, to thank, you know, Dave the Cutter or, or whoever it may be. Uh, so, yes, it's a really nice personal touch. Yeah, that's it's really lovely. Nicola, how does it work in terms of, lead times for instance if there's suddenly an extra flux of orders does that happen sometimes and does it make it easier with them with the you know, factory being based in the UK yes absolutely um my team work really closely with Stuart's team on trying to forecast um none of us have crystal balls unfortunately our job would be much easier if we did or if even consumers just bought the same things every week in the same volume um, but yeah, we would have certain peaks around the year that we would work towards to make sure that we've got extra stock. So whether that's when we know we're going into a sale or a peak for us is back to university where everybody wants to make sure that they've got the pillows and the duvets and the mattress toppers to make sure that their son or daughter is as comfortable as they can be away from home often for the first time. So our teams would work closely with Stuart's team to forecast how much we need on a weekly basis to make sure that Stuart has enough raw materials to produce what we need. But occasionally we would get on the phone and sort of say, right, we're going to need more. We've had a really good week on X, Y or Z. Um, and that's where certainly um, we try to manufacture as much as possible in the UK, not only because it's the right thing to do, but actually We've worked with a lot of our suppliers and manufacturers for, for a long time. We've built up great relationships with them. 85% um, of our mattresses are made in Britain. Um, actually, 100% is actually made in UK and Ireland. Um, and the same with sofas and armchairs. 74% of everything that we sell around sofas and armchairs is made in the UK. So this is really important. You know, I talked earlier on about global supply chains. Anything that we can get made in the UK often means that we can um, get it here quicker, cheaper. And we've got a customer that really likes that made in the UK. They want to support the British economy. Yeah, absolutely. And some of your sofas are made with recycled materials, I think, aren't they? A lot of our sofas are made with recycled materials. Um, and again, that's much, much easier to do if, if you're working within a UK supply chain. Um, one of the first questions I asked when I moved into this job, having previously looked after sort of meat, fish and poultry at Waitrose, was where do we buy our wool? Um, and one of the first projects that actually we did was to take the 
excess wool from the Waitrose supply chain, give those farmers a guaranteed income and a minimum price that was acceptable. And to then take that wool from the Waitrose farms that often would otherwise have gone to waste. And then we launched the um, Waitrose wool collection with our suppliers. So actually, we could see that the waste product from one part of our business could actually be a useful byproduct elsewhere. And and we'll be doing more of that going forward. Excellent. So how do you work with Stuart and his team? Do you work very closely? Um, I think it's always very smoothly done with John Lewis. It's a very, very well-oiled machine, isn't it? Uh, We're swan-like, Lucy. We're paddling like mad underwater and trying to look very joined up um, on the top. And I think it's all about communication. Stuart's team and my team will talk most days, um, if not having meetings every week, usually virtually. The the joy of actually a post-COVID world means that the guys can easily jump on a Zoom or a Google Meet and to talk through our estimates, where our future plan is, what we want to sell, what new products we might have coming up for autumn, winter. They're, they're, they're the types of things. We, we couldn't do it if we didn't talk to each other. Um, and clearly that's easier when we're, we've all got the same purpose, we've all got the same end goal. I think it's so important to keep mills and factories and craftsmanship very much alive in the UK. And um, Stuart, is Herbert Parkinson one of the only textile manufacturers in the UK now? Uh, Lucy, no, it's, uh, but, but, there's quite a lot, actually. When you're in the, in the industry, there's, there's not, not as many as there used to be, don't get me wrong, but it's still quite vibrant, actually, the textile trade uh, in the UK. Uh, even where, where we are in, in, in Darwin, even in the Northwest, there's, there's lots of uh, sewing factories uh, making different things, tailor factories, uh, etc. The Midlands is quite vibrant. And it's good to collaborate with these other mills, etc., and, and people who work there uh, to learn from each other and also to support each other uh, in terms of what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve, you know, what are they doing to attract sewing machinists uh of people leaving school etc into 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 where they work etc uh also collaborating with the local authorities as well so yeah it's it's not what it used to be don't get me wrong but it's still quite vibrant uh the textile trade uh in the uk have things uh changed like techniques and machinery over the time over the you know the last few years because in 2006 you had a quite a big makeover didn't you yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, so you know, as technology advances uh, in, in any sector, same goes for textiles as well. Uh, we've not got a lot of automation, but what we have, we have certain machinery that can do uh, different has- aspects of making a product. But again, it's it's still it's still all driven and all coordinated uh, by partners, by the team in there. Uh, machines do machines can get quicker, uh, etc. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all about the person who, who, who's running that machine, uh, who's actually the expert uh, on these machines. And lots of our sewing machinists and, and the guys and girls in there can work across several different machine machines as well, which, which is a great skill to have. I mean, these are the bread and butter uh, of our trade, uh, highly regarded. I'm in competition with lots of uh, factories within the Northwest for sewing machines uh, that sought after. So, yeah, you know, being part of the partnership, you know, for 70 years, 
Uh, you know, I've been head of branch for the last 10 years and I've been in the partnership for 20. We've always had very, very good investment uh, in, our, in our people, in our training, in our development, progression, but also in the machinery we use as well. Yeah, I can just imagine sitting here. It's a lovely atmosphere to work in with all the creative people. It is. It's, I mean, I, I love it. I love walking around. Uh, I try to get around two or three times a week. And just to engage with the team because we know them. Uh, I know them by the name. I know the families, etc. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to see this passion and commitment uh, when they're making these wonderful products, whether it's a duvet, a pillow, a cushion, pad, a pelmet. Uh, or our, our beautiful curtains and blinds because there's, there's a lot of skill that goes into it and to actually see it, it it's incredible uh, and I just love doing it I really do yeah I bet must be a lovely job um, Nicola when we had a chat a few weeks ago and I told you how much I love John Lewis you mentioned that people are sometimes curious and ask you lots of questions once they know what your job is why do you think this is why are people so intrigued by John Lewis because I know I am yeah pe- people have a real passion for John Lewis Um, And I think people are generally intrigued around what goes on behind the scenes and um, what we all do in our day-to-day jobs. It's it's not a traditional job, um, and therefore a lot of people are genuinely intrigued around what goes on behind the background, how do we get products from X to Y. Um, And I think it's, it's a brand that a lot of people have grown up with. A lot of people, there's a lot of emotional attachment um, we talk a lot at the moment around for all life's moments. And I think um, people can relate to whether it was their wedding list, whether it was when they had their first child, when they moved home. You know, we are there for people's life moments. And I think there is a real passion. We've seen a demise of the department stores over the last decade and I think people feel a real fondness towards John Lewis so people are naturally inquisitive around our job and I think there is a desire for people to want to see John Lewis succeed which is lovely but it's also um, quite pressurised you know we've, we've got to make sure it's here for future generations so so pretty similar to what Stuart was talking about how do we make sure that you know, we're looking after it at the moment, but how can we hand it over to the next generation and make sure that it's as relevant for future customers as it is for today? And when it comes to trend forecasting, is that something that John Lewis puts a lot of focus on when it comes to interiors? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've been working on a new style rule book around really sort of categorising our looks into classic and modern. We would describe the fact that we've got product available for three wallets, so good, better, best. Um, soon after I arrived in furniture, we we as a business started work on a project that was um, then launched as Any Day um, to make sure that we had something that was amazing quality, but at that opening price point. Um, so for us, it's to make sure that we've got that look of classic and modern in every single um, price point available but that's really helped people people can really understand that actually you have a natural um, inkling towards either classic and modern that's not to say that we categorize customers for their entire look you you might like a classic look in the living room and actually you might like a modern look in the bedroom so it's not that we say one look and one look only some customers are very confident in this space and very happy to buy eclectically across a whole load of ranges. But it's it's important that we help people. We're the experts. 
Um, the team of the experts, we work with an amazing uh, team of in-house designers who design our product, work with our suppliers to make sure that actually, whether it's colour trends, whether it's shape trends, whether it's fabrics, that we're, we're there for the customer. But actually, quite often, we only need to be about half a step ahead of where the customer wants to be. Um, people are often only in these markets every seven or eight years. I, I look after what we refer to as sort of big ticket items. People aren't buying sofas um, or beds or dining tables every week. And therefore, we've got to make sure that when people are in the market, um, luckily, customers are buying every week, but but not the same customers. But we've got to have something that is is relevant for all. Yeah, I feel like there's just always something for everyone, to be honest. That's how it works, isn't it? That's that's a big part of our job. Um, and it's to make sure that that there's something that might be inspirational. And that might just be a cushion, Lucy. It, it's, you know, you can update your look with with some accessories. We have launched this season an amazing range of lighting, cushions, uh, glassware. So, you know, we all get joy out of a small purchase. It's not always about the the larger purchases that we know are less frequent. And, and certainly in the current times, how do we make sure that there is something that is accessible for everyone? And you've got some great uh, pledges focusing on the upcoming years, haven't you, including better materials. I think you said your key raw materials will be made from sustainable textiles, like cottons, cashmeres and timbers, and, and also mattress recycling and sofa reuse network. So how is that all going to play out? Well, it, it's it's really important that everything we do um, leaves leaves a sustainable footprint on the planet that we leave behind. Um, we've recently launched our first fully FSC wood range, um, which is a dining range called Foxmoor. We've got a lot more of that to come. Um, we're making sure that what we're doing around timber, feather and down, cotton is of the highest possible standards to make sure that we're just doing the right thing. We, we feel it's what our customers want. It's, we feel it's what our customers expect. Um, and this is really, really important to us. You, you talked earlier around we've launched um, a sofa, a particular favourite sofa of mine is, is the Otley sofa that we've launched this season with a green ticking stripe, um, which is, it really plays back to some sort of childhood looks that I, I can relate to. And there's a headboard in the, in the same design. People love a check and stripe, that's not going anywhere. And, and that's made with 100% recycled materials. You know, we've, we've got to keep challenging. We're looking at foam-free sofas. As you say, we're, we're looking at around um, what we can do with product at the end of its life so that it can be fully circular. This, this is really important to us. And it's not easy. Not everybody can do it. But we've got to challenge ourselves to get there. Yeah, and you will, obviously, being John Lewis. <laughs> I hope so. It's not always easy. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine that. So moving to talking about your homes, because I'm nosy, basically. Nicola, what, what's your home like in terms of colour palette? And uh, I bet you probably have some nice John Lewis pieces in your house too. I do. So I would say my, um, my palette is quite neutral. We um, had our, we redid all of the downstairs of our house um, probably about six, seven years ago. 
Um, I would say that, you know, our big trend at the moment and we talk about is green and that green is the new grey. Um, I would say I'm behind the trend and I've, I've still got grey sofas, um, but I've also got teenage boys. So I need very practical. At some point, I'm looking forward to owning a beautiful cream corner sofa. But right here, right now, that is not an option in my house. So I think everybody's got an aspirational view. Um, but yes, I, I've got some some beautiful John Lewis pieces that I want to become future heirlooms. Um, I remember growing up with with brands like G-Plan and Urkel, and uh, my parents um, had a sofa that they had for a wedding present that they got reupholstered, um, you know, every so often, but they had it their entire life. I really have got some pieces that I love and I want to be able to, to pass on um, I've got a Hendrix chair that I just absolutely adore. And I think nothing more of sitting on a Sunday morning uh, with a cup of tea. It is my space and reading the papers. So I think there's there's an emotive side. Um, but I also love a pop of colour. Um, and that can be bought in um, with cushions and lights and vases. And that's where I am feel quite comfortable about being a little bit more eclectic. Yeah, sounds like you've got some lovely classic pieces in your house. I, I, yeah, I, I would say I'm more classic, Lucy, uh, than modern, but um, that's, that's what works for me. Yeah, and Stuart, is your home very textile-focused, given your job, and what's important to you in your home? Yeah, uh, we've got some fantastic, what I would say, luxury curtains. Uh, from John Lewis, obviously manufactured at Herbert Parkinson's. Uh, they're absolutely fantastic. The drape on them, the way they hang, uh, and how they go with the colour schemes. I have to say, my wife Julie uh, is very much our colour scheme. Uh, she's absolutely fantastic. Uh, obviously, throughout our house, there's a lot of John Lewis products. Uh, I'm sat in our dining room at the moment, <clears throat> which is a lovely deep green uh, with cream, green, and yellow curtains. Uh, it's a lovely, relaxing room. Uh, the furniture's John Lewis. Uh, and our living room, uh, our furniture's from John Lewis in there. Uh, it's a very relaxing room. We've got a, a leather suite uh, and a rocking chair uh, upholstered with John Lewis fabrics. Uh, and, and, the, and the decor in there is, is grey. Uh, it's a lovely grey and white uh, feel to it as well and the flooring. So the whole house uh, is a credit to Julie, uh, but... Uh, each room has a different theme, and it's uh, it's it's often complimented when we have guests and family around. Yeah, I bet sounds very serene, very nice. And Stuart, do you mind if I ask you some advice, really, for anyone listening who would like a career in, you know, some kind of craft and, and to work at Her Herbert Parkinson? Maybe where do they start? Yeah, I think I think for us is well, first and foremost, it's a fantastic career to be involved in. Uh, if I may, I'll. I'll Deborah Signorelli uh, started at Herbert Parkinson's, uh, and she was a she she worked on the operational floor and got interested in sewing. sewing. So uh, we put her through academy and became a, a, a sewing machinist, etc., and worked very very well uh, across a, an array of sewing machines. But Deborah got very interested in in finance and eventually got a job as a as a finance clerk in the finance department, uh, again through uh, academy and qualifications, 
Deborah now runs the finance department. It's an incredible progress, progression story uh, on one Deborah and we are all very, very proud of. Uh, but we do, like I said, we do work with local schools. We get involved with schools. Uh, we go in and talk. Uh, we, we, we give them what skills, attributes uh, we need uh, when you come and join Herbert Parkinson's. We invite them into Herbert Parkinson's and show them everything that goes on. You know, again, like I said earlier, there's an array of jobs at Herbert Parkinson's, a lot of skill, a lot of handcraft in the products we make, but also all the other engineering jobs, finance, IT jobs as well. Uh, so my advice would be, you know, get along to Herbert Parkinson's. We've got a festival of fun coming up in the summer. Uh, engage with your local schools and, and get involved and, and, and come and see what we're all about. You will enjoy it. Yeah, so you could come in and start doing something and then find there's something else that you enjoy. And Exactly, yeah, it's, that's what it's about. I mean, also joining, don't forget when our when people join Herbert Parkinson, they're joining the John Lewis Partnership. It's, it's a whole different way of, of doing business. Uh, it's a better way of doing business. And you can progress further afield. You know, we've got John Lewis shops nearby. We've got Waitrose nearby. Uh, there's always opportunities at our head offices as well. So, you know, progression's there for you. Uh, and like I say, you can e- easily start at Herbert Parks and progress your career within the partnership. Yeah, I might have to move over to Lancashire, I think. Absolutely. Come along and see us, Lisa. Yeah, I'd love to. So, Nicola, you must have some sage advice too with your vast business experience. So how would someone forge a career in your field for such a well-respected company? There's lots of different ways, very similar to Stuart. Um, We have people that come from Waitrose shops. We have people that come from John Lewis shops that come in as category assistants or or sort of work at the bottom. We have job changers. We have people that have got buying and merchandising experience in other retailers that come and join us. All of our jobs are advertised on John Lewis jobs. We're very public. Um, You can always find what jobs are available, whether that's in Stuart's factory or in your local shops. Um, But I just encourage people to do what they love. We spend so much of our time at work. I'm really, really lucky. I have a job I adore. I have an amazing team. I work with some brilliant peers. And I get out of bed every day and think, God, I'm lucky. But, you know, I've got friends that have got jobs that I'm not sure they love it. So do what you love, do what you enjoy. Um, I've got a passion for product. I've got a passion for making things better. I'm really intrigued about what makes people tick. And you know, somebody will say, oh, I bought a sofa. And I'll be like, why did you buy that sofa? What did you want? And it, it, you know, almost the point that people don't tell me anymore. But I'm, I'm really interested. Why did you buy that shape and not that shape? I spend longer with my team at work than I do my family. That's my choice. Um, and therefore, I want us to have fun and I want us to enjoy what we do. And within the partnership, we're allowed to do that. Um, Stuart and I are incredibly lucky to work for a, for a business that celebrates us all as individuals and really encourages us to bring ourselves to work. So go out there and find a job that you love. It comes across very strongly how much you both love your work. But listen, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I hope you have a brilliant 70th celebration for Herbert Parkinson this year. Thanks, Lucy. I appreciate that. And thanks for having us. Thank you, Lucy. Really enjoyed it. Thanks again. <laughs>